0: Hey gal, welcome to the Brand Camp Podcast. I'm Colleen Stark, brand designer, strategist, owner of design studio, Canoe Point Design Co., and mama of one crazy toddler. This is a show to empower women entrepreneurs to turn their businesses into a brand by sharing stories from fellow business owners who have been there and get it. You'll hear advice and stories from ambitious goal-getting women entrepreneurs to help you to level up your business, make money, and create a life you love with a business you are obsessed with. So sit back and enjoy with your favorite drink or while juggling a toddler in one hand and a coffee in the other because there's no judgment or sugar coating here. Welcome to the Brand Camp Podcast. Ready to stop fighting the Instagram algorithm and start building your email list? Meet my marketing secret weapon, Flowdesk. Flowdesk is the fastest growing email marketing platform, helping small business owners design emails people love to get. From stunning email templates to immersive forms, Flowdesk makes it easy for beginners and experts alike to build their email lists, engage their audiences, and convert subscribers into customers, all without a website. Who is Flowdesk for? Anyone looking to send awesome emails. Their members are primarily small business owners and creators like artists, authors, attorneys, bloggers, brick and mortar shops business and life coaches, marketing consultants, e-commerce shops, fitness professionals, graphic designers, photographers, wedding industry professionals, and more. You guys, I'm obsessed with Flowdesk and as a designer, you know I wouldn't use or recommend any software that wasn't gorgeous and easy to use. Their layouts are stunning and make it so easy to send a beautiful on-brand email to your list. Sending emails people want to get is just a click away. You're going to love Flowdesk. Get 50% off your first year by visiting flowdesk.com slash C slash brandcamp or use discount code brandcamp all caps at checkout. That's FlowDesk.com slash C slash brandcamp or use discount code brandcamp all caps at checkout.
1: Hi Veronica. Hi Colleen. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for asking me
2: and, you know, working with me on this. I'm excited.
1: Yeah. So before we start, um, tell us about who you are, what you do, who you help, a little bit about your background.
2: Yeah. So I'm Veronica. I am a mom of three, a wife, and I have a business in surface pattern design. Um, over the years, I've been doing this for about five years, and over the years, I've kind of honed in my, my business into really focusing on surface pattern design. So what that means is just kind of designing um, elements to be reproduced in a repeating um, way, and so they could be applied to all different types of things, but I tend to focus on fabric. Um, so that's kind of in a nutshell
1: what I do. Awesome. And how did you get there? How did you get from uh, the beginning to now when you're doing like surface design?
2: It's been a winding road, I would say. Um, I started off in twenty, early twenty seventeen. I was on mat leave with my daughter, my my middle now middle child, and I kind of had a bit of I like to call it like an existential crisis. Like I, I really felt a little bit stuck. Kind of you know, in when you become a mom and everything kind of focuses around that aspect of your life, and um, I kind of was looking for something that was just mine, almost like something to really, I don't know, identify myself, I guess. Um, And so I started teaching myself calligraphy. And through that, a lot of of calligraphy artists ended up doing watercolor. And so kind of over the first little period of time, I started to just explore that and dabble into art a little bit. Um, I had done art in high school and really enjoyed it and had kind of aspirations a long, long time ago to kind of get into design and um, so I um, picked up a paintbrush and then started to post my work on Instagram. And slowly that turned into me selling some art pieces. Um, and then over the years, I I do have like an Etsy shop where I do sell art prints. Um, but I taught myself how to digitize my work um, and do things like that. And then through that, I started learning how to make my designs what I'm painting, put it into the digital space and then kind of rework the work into patterns. And once I found out about surface pattern design, I just really loved doing it. It kind of is a little bit geeky, like of how to you know scientifically arrange a pattern and, and do those things. Um, but I taught myself Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator and and using all these different programs. So that was about over five years ago. So um, it's been a bit of a, like I said, a winding road to get there, but um, that's, that's how I got to, to where I am.
1: I love it. So you kind of have like a science brain and an like creative brain, right? Would you say?
2: Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I kind of, you know, um, I like to use both those very much. Like I, I, I um, have a master's degree in genetic counseling. And so I do like clinical work um, and, but I've always loved art. And I think a lot of sciencey people have that side too. It's just like that kind of desire to be creative and using your left brain. So um, I tend to, I, I'd say, yeah, I, I do both.
1: Yeah. Well, what would you say is your zone of genius as a business owner? Like, what are you most passionate about doing? Um, I'm passionate
2: about bringing exclusive work to people that might not otherwise think they have access to it and I think really that's you know a lot of times when we look at companies that are you know have these designs that are specific to their brand or you know are working with an artist to get this design that only they can sell um, I think that's really where I like to see my work flourish is really providing this exclusive art and something that's unique to a business and allowing people to kind of build their brand and working with them to like have their voice in their brand come to life in their products really into something that's unique to them
1: yeah so do you mean like like painting like one-of-a-kind pieces for yeah. them Oh, okay so do yeah. you so tell me about the sides of your business like your revenue stream so you have like ready to print and then you have custom
2: Yeah. So I have a few different revenue streams at this point. I'm looking to expand that as well. So I, I have, like I said, I have my art shop, my Etsy shop. um, And then I have a, a selection of fabrics on Spoonflower, which is um, which is a company that artists all over the world can post their repeat designs. And then people that are, you know, using fabric for whatever application can choose those designs and print them. Um, and those are not exclusive, right? So when you post your designs onto there, anybody can purchase them. Um, and then what I also offer is exclusive design work for brands. Um, so I can create an exclusive pattern. I create I've worked with small shops, or not I'm called them small shops, but I've worked with um, business owners across um, Ontario to do this um, for their different products. Um, mostly it's focusing on kind of the children and baby space um, just because that's like, I guess where I am in my aesthetic is kind of soft and neutral. Um, and so doing that is kind of one of the ways that I provide services. So I'm doing like an exclusive, like working with somebody from the concept and, and building that kind of concept of what they want to create, uh, the way to create a mood board. And I kind of make sure that vision is there. And then I do some, Drawing, sometimes I do digital drawing as well. So I do either painting with like a paintbrush and paint um, or a digital illustration and then get that um, into a repeat design for them. Um, and so the nice thing about doing an exclusive pattern is even though it's, it's my art and it's my work, it really is the person um, that I'm doing it for is integrated in that process from start to finish and has a lot of kind of um, artistic kind of say and like where we're taking the direction to.
1: So And then you just send them the the files or do you do any of the printing?
2: I don't do any of the printing. Um, I'd love to, um, but those machines are very costly. So um, at this point, I just send them the digital file. Um, There are companies that do print on demand. Um, Some of them have no limit to the amount of yardage and other times Um, there are some yard requirements and things. So and the nuances of fabric, um, because there's so many different types of fabric, there's you know the organic cottons, there's the polyesters the kind of synthetic fabric. so I usually just I do just give the design to the, the brand and then they print as, as they see fit with what their application is going to be for that.
1: Awesome. And what do they usually use it for? Like what do they uh, usually like print?:
2: I have um, worked with um, a woman that does custom like ballet tutus and so like it's kind of like it's um people are able to purchase the design and put the name their daughter's name or her son's name on it um and then i've painted like florals and bunnies and things like that so that was really a fun project to work on Um, she was on kind of my my list of like people like dream clients to work with so it was really nice working with her Um, and then i have another um brand that i worked with and they have Um, baby blankets and um, nursing pillows and things like that and so headbands um, and yeah that's been kind of so mostly focused on kind of that baby and child space.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you find that that's because of like you as a mom that kind of resonates with you um, working with clients like that? I think
2: so and I think for me too it's always like I've over time and I think when you have that tendency to kind of be creative or like see different things out there like if you're on Pinterest or even scrolling on Instagram you're like wow like you can resonate with a lot of different aesthetics so you can say like okay like I could do that or I like that or you know um, so for me it's taken the amount of time that I've been doing this to really understand that like just my style like my unique style is really just kind of soft and airy and feminine and I think that tends to go along a lot with what people choose for kind of a baby or a a girl's room or something like that. So I think it just kind of, usually I just, our aesthetics align with that, that group as well. So I think that that's probably why, but um, that's really just who I am as an artist and what I'm drawn to. So.
1: So would you say that's your niche then? I'd say, yeah, I
2: think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How did you find the process of niching down? Because I, I personally still struggle with this. I feel like I haven't found my niche or sometimes a niche will present itself to you. And that's kind of what you're doing, but, um, it's not really what you want to be doing, right? Like sometimes, like I talked to a designer the other day who, um, does a lot of work for therapists and maybe that's not necessarily what she wants to be designing for. So how did you, yeah. How did you find that process of niching down and, um, was it helpful?
2: I definitely feel like I'm maybe not even a hundred percent there. Um, but cause I think it's a work in progress, right? I think niches can, can change over time. Um, but I think for me, I really did. I, so I read a couple of books. There's one book it's called, I think it's called essentialism or something like that. I should I should have it. Uh, but anyways, um, it was a really good book for me. It was recommended for me by somebody. And just to kind of say, you know, the more, the more you put your energy into different directions, you're never really going to move forward in a significant way in the direction of where you want to be going because you're really kind of just sprinkling your energy around and not really kind of using that motivation or using that uh, momentum to make a lot of strides. And so for me, that was a game changer. It allowed me to really take a step back in my business and say, am I, am I doing what really brings me happiness and where I really want to see my business going? The nice thing about that book is you can apply it to any aspect of your life. Really. It's such a great book. I recommend it to everybody, not even just business owners. Um, But for me, I think it was like, I, for like, as an example, when I first started, um, learning about surface pattern design, I was really kind of inspired by companies that were making baby blankets for for babies that are custom with their names on them and i'm like I-, I can do that like i i know how to design the fabric I-, I that kind of niche spoke to me right and kind of being in my demographic now is like a mom with young children um and so i started to make the designs but also produce the blankets and then over time for me i was like making those blankets didn't make me happy (laughs) like when I would get an order and I'd be like oh like I have to sell that or I have to bring at one point I was using a seamstress and so it was it was a bit of a a challenge I think you know kind of being honest with myself that like this idea that I had wasn't really working for me and so after I read that book I was like that really is probably a place where I can remove that aspect of what I'm doing um, and really just focus on doing the things that make me happy and so it was, it's, I think it's just being honest with yourself and self-reflecting about, you know, what aspects of your business do you enjoy and do you kind of thrive and get excitement to do? Um, and then what are things that really could either be, um, you know, resourced out to somebody else or, you know, get some help with or really just cut all together. And I think that's what helped me niche down to, to really directly answer your question to where I am now. Um, and... As I mentioned, like this, it's I have a full time position and a full time job that I do during the day, and so for me, this is my kind of my passion and my dream. Um, And so, really, the hours that I have to spend doing art and making these designs are limited to really in the evenings. And so, even having that limited amount of time, right, I don't have the the ability to really do so so much. So, really, just focusing on that that bit that really brings me joy is what I was trying to get at when I really niche down into place I am now.
1: Yeah. So kind of like sifting through <laughs> all this stuff to see like mm-hmm. what brings you joy and um, eliminating the things that don't. And I think it's important to note that it's okay to try things and for it to not mm-hmm. work out. Like you tried the baby blankets and it just wasn't bringing you joy. And so you pivoted and that's okay.
2: Yeah. yeah and I think the, you know, the pandemic had a little bit to do with that as well, because I was like, just the supply chain issue with getting things and shipping. And it was just, it was causing a quite a bit of stress to be honest, for me to be like, okay, like, you know, people are getting these, ordering something and there's a timeline attached to that. And, you know, to utilize a blanket safe for photographs or something like that, that amount of, even for me, was just something that I was like, oh, okay, that's not really, I don't know. But like you said, it's just really trying things and exploring like, okay, what aspect of that makes makes you feel more fulfilled. And for me, it was like, I, when I look back, I was like, it's that design process, right? It's like, it's the creation of that design and, and being able to spend more time doing that now because I've eliminated the actual production aspect of it um, was important for me to kind of really get, get to a better place in my business.
1: Mm -hmm. and after you kind of went through the baby blankets did you go through like an imposter syndrome kind of phase of where you were like what am I doing like this didn't work out like how am I going to make this work like does did any of that resonate yeah I definitely
2: struggle with that a lot because it's not like you see I see a lot of entrepreneurs mostly on social media right and just as people that's their livelihood and so I'm like for me it's it's a business that I run on the side, and I hate calling things a side hustle because it just, you know, like cliche. But um, so sometimes it, I do, I do struggle with that quite a bit. And even, you know, when you feel, you can look at something as like a failure, right? Like the sales were were okay with the blankets, but they weren't where I kind of would anticipate them to be. Um, and so that was also where I kind of felt like a bit of like that that idea that I had failed. Um, But I think the important part is just kind of taking those learning moments out of that whole experience and understanding like, okay, what piece of this could have been done better or taking that learning experience to the next project and really understanding, you know, maybe my marketing needs to be stronger. Maybe I need to spend some time investing in that area as well. So learning opportunities, I think.
1: Yeah, all of it. Everything is a learning opportunity for sure. And that's a really good mindset shift of going from like, this is a failure to no, I'm learning from this. And that's what happened, Mm -hmm. right? Like you did the baby blankets, it wasn't what you wanted it to be. And then you pivoted. Yep. So what did you pivot after you did the baby blankets? Then what was your like next step?
0: If you're a service-based business, you know how complicated managing multiple clients or potential leads can be. Enter HoneyBook. HoneyBook is a client management system, or CRM, that has everything your business needs to get it done. From managing projects, booking clients, sending invoices, and getting paid, HoneyBook has it all. When I was starting my business, I had no way of tracking all of my projects, and it drove me absolutely crazy. So when I tell you joining HoneyBook was a game changer, I mean it, and my clients love it too. Not only can you keep track of all of your projects, but all of your files and documents have one place to live. You can streamline client communication with their email templates, manage your bookings and payments, and just make it easier to get paid. HoneyBook saves you time so you can focus on your passion and you can get 20% off your first year by going to share.honeybook.com slash brandcamp. That's share.honeybook.com slash brandcamp or visit the show notes or affiliate links page on our website, brandcamp.com.
2: Then I really just said, for me, I love the designing, like I I would like to call myself and consider myself a surface pattern designer. That also brought a little imposter syndrome too, right? Because it's like, okay, now I'm, you know, I don't have a degree in art. I don't, I'm a self-taught designer. And so for me, it was a little bit of like embracing the fact that, you know, this is something that I've taught myself and I should be proud of that. Um, and that, you know, I've been able to. Navigate even building a website and doing different things kind of on my own through trial and error and through learning. Um, And so, after I pivoted from taking the blankets off of the services that I'm offering and just really focused on the design aspect of it. So, that for me, that was really um, what I think I really took away from the blanket experience was that I really enjoyed the design aspect of it. And so, I thought, okay, what ways? Can I serve the same group of people um, or maybe indirectly right through working with, with businesses that service those types of clients and customers?
1: Yeah, I love that. So who is your, who's your ideal client? Like, I know that you design mostly for like baby, like kids, but um, is that your ideal client? Is that who you want to work with in the future?
2: Yeah, I, my ideal client is, you know, somebody who has who services people that are like, it's just like the, the feminine aesthetic. It doesn't have to be baby and kids really. Um, but for me, it's like, you know, I really resonate with the design aesthetic of like Crate and Barrel, like some of their kind of designs and um, working with anthropology, like just mm-hmm. di- like those are like big, like kind of obviously pie in the sky clients that would be amazing to work with. But I think just working with businesses that have, a voice and that have a very unique kind of perspective that work with independent artists um, would be someplace I would, I'd love to be. Um, but I think, and it could be applied, I think mostly just because my aesthetic is there to the baby and kids. Um, but I think just even for women's apparel, things like that, I think it could be applied to as well. So, um, so I think that would be kind of in a sense of like a broader ideal client would be working with a company or a business that has, fabric or even like notebooks like i go to indigo or chapters and I'm like oh i'd love to like have my see my designs on a notebook or, or a journal or um things like that
1: so would they purchase the rights to the designs or how does how would that work
2: usually surface pattern designers license their work so you don't give the copyright and most artists shouldn't or you know would be advised not to sell copyright because then it could be licensed broadly and And that's all, you know, um, a bigger mess. So usually what happens is a company would license the design for a specific period of time. Um, And sometimes you could have a limited exclusive design. So you can license a design to a company that will say, okay, we're going to license this this design for one year and we're going to apply it to baby and kids so you can't resell that design to anybody in the baby and kid spectrum but you could license that design to someone who sells wallpaper or you know to someone who's using it in a completely different application or someone could buy like an exclusive license so that you're not able to sell that particular design or the motifs within that design to anybody else and usually that's how you you kind of tier the pricing a little bit and that's what i think sometimes helps working with businesses that may be an earlier phase um, is not selling necessarily like a completely exclusive design because those tend to be more costly, but selling maybe a more limited, limited license to that company. Um, So that way they can still have access to a specific design um, within their, their niche. Right. But, um, but at a more affordable cost. So that's usually how those things work.
1: So it's a lot of like legal stuff, I guess, when it comes down to it. Awesome. That was just a little <laughs> a little oh, size in I head, I'm <laughs> just so curious about how like stuff like that works, like how you know like the the back end like the nitty gritty how does that mm-hmm. like act what does that actually look like so what does a what does a typical day look like for you um even not necessarily your day job, but when you like sit down at your computer or you sit mm-hmm. down with a paintbrush like What are you working on? What does it look like?
2: I find for me to be most productive is I work in kind of like power hour time blocks. So, um, you know, one day I'll say, and it really depends on my mood too, is, you know, I'll be inspired by something. I'm like, okay, I want to paint something or I'll have an idea. Um, And I tend to keep like a little notes thing on my phone like where if I'm like inspired by something or if I have an idea, I just jot it down really quickly throughout the day because I tend to be have moments of inspiration right when i'm completely distracted and i can't do that so usually when i kind of sit down or like plan my i usually do try to plan my week out um, and i don't do it every night of course and you know, i give myself time to watch netflix and read books but um you know i'll do one night i'll say okay i'm gonna paint my motifs and i'll just turn on some music Um, and paint a little bit and kind of just go go with the flow with where that brings me or if I have a very specific thing in mind that I want to paint I'll tend to like block my evening just for that Um, and then other times like when the paint's dried and everything I'll scan to my computer um, and then I'll save the next couple of days for kind of digitizing the work and kind of working the patterns um working the motifs into a pattern um, and so usually it doesn't from the time of like idea to realization into the pattern it doesn't take too long so yeah usually that's what it's just kind of planning out that night i'm going to be painting this is what i want to be inspired by or kind of i'm working on something like that like i had for example i had um like a, my my boys i have two boys and they love space like my three-year-old can name all the planets like he just loves space and i find sometimes for me like I, I want my house to reflect my personal style. And when you look at what's available, it all tends to be the primary colors or things that are really bright. And that doesn't really isn't something that I would choose for my kids' rooms. And so I painted like a space collection of art prints for them or just inspired by them. And so I did like a space alphabet. And so for me, it was like that night, I'm like, okay, through the day, I was like looking up like what could be A, what could be B, like planning it out. And then at night, I just had a lot of fun painting it. And so I tend to need to plan things out because I have a smaller um, window of time in the evening. So that's usually how I approach things. I'm usually inspired by something. I plan out what I'm going to do. And then once it's all painted and said and done, um, the digitizing process takes a couple of days usually.
1: And what do you do after you digitize it?
2: Um, What's nice about the... um, surface pattern design is you can work with different product mock-ups. And so usually what I like to do is I like to play around with mock-ups. Um, a mock-up is really like a, a blank representation of, you know, a product. Like for example, say if there's a baby blanket that's just sold to you as a file and it's white. Um, and then what you can do is you can apply your design to look like it's really on the blanket, but it really actually isn't. Um, and so I like to play around with mock-ups because that helps me look at scale you know, how big should the repeating pattern be? How small? Um, and so that tends to be kind of the fun part for me, too, is just kind of applying the, the design to different mock ups and then I edit as I go. Um, and what I, a lot of surface pattern designers do, and what I've learned over time is. We really want to develop a solid portfolio of designs, and so I've been working lately. My kind of big thing that I've been spending a lot of time doing is working on my portfolio and really showcasing like my design aesthetic. You know, it's really important. I think um, the feel. it can feel saturated. Um, you know, with a lot of watercolor florals, and of course, I love watercolor florals. So I, that's a lot of what I do. I think it's like, how do you have a unique voice? when you create a watercolor floral, not to look like everybody else. Um, and so working on your portfolio allows you to communicate your design aesthetic to companies and kind of basically sell yourself to them. Um, and so when you have a portfolio, you create um, your designs, and you include mock-ups of that design onto the different products that may be available through that company. Um, and then you send it out into the world and hope someone likes it and wants to license you.
1: Yeah. So do you when you put it out into the world? Is that like putting it on Spoonflower? Is it putting it on Instagram? Like, where do you um, like throw it out there?
2: Um, usually, and sometimes we'll do. I, I've been really lazy with my social media lately. <laughs> I have a lot going no, on. I feel like we all have them. Um, oh man, I'm trying to use these planning um, apps, and it just I can't I, for whatever reason. I'm just you know. Anyways, I need to be a better planner. There, that's uh, where I need to go. But anyways, usually what I um, what you do is you. Um, have to find out like you have to like for me it's like a bucket list of like who do you want to license with Um, and most of the companies um, the larger companies will have art directors that you then approach and send your portfolio to Um, but you know a lot of times I do use the projects I'm currently working on as my social media kind of what I put out there in the world I try to be careful with that though, because you don't want to put an exact repeat design on your social media that could then be ripped off. Cause unfortunately I've seen a lot of artists deal with that. Um, and so I try to be kind of mindful of like how much I'm sharing. Um, and then some, some companies want a design that's never been seen before. So you kind of have to be careful about what you share. Um, a lot of times when I do create something, I will think about or or plan to put it on spoon flower. Um, and that's been, um, through there have been growing a little bit and and um, that's been nice. So
1: that's awesome. I want to back up a little bit and go back to when we were talking about niching. When you are figuring out what brings you joy, are you also considering revenue? Like are you considering margins? Are you thinking about like the cost or is it just kind of what makes you happy? Like how do you balance both of that?
2: It's definitely like I found in the beginning and I'm starting, again, still work in progress. Um, that was one of the reasons when I looked back at my experience with selling bl- the baby blankets was really the profit margin wasn't making sense for me. It was kind of like on top of the fact that it was difficult for kind of the production of it. And also it was really the cost to custom print one yard of fabric is quite a bit, so you have to set a certain profit margin to make it worthwhile, and then that impacts sales. And so for me, it was you know there are other companies doing it in a much more economical way. I'm sure they have their own printers and things like that, where I um, mean, you know they're able to reduce their costs, and so that they can offer the customers lower priced products. So for me, I was like, I, you know, I kind of looked back, I'm like, I'm I can't compete, but I also wasn't sure I really wanted to, and where I was, and so that definitely is a consideration. What I you know, I like to work with digital products because there is kind of less um, of the cost. Like when you think about even selling an art print, you know, it's not just the cost of, of the print, it's the packaging, it's the materials of your your marketing and your inserts and everything like that. So when you think about a price for a product, there's all these things that come into play. Um, and I definitely do think about that. Even just the space, like I don't have room to have a whole bunch of stock at my house. And so when I think about, I've had ideas about launching different products and what can I do? um, And that really has been something that I usually think about when I like write it out in a practical way of like, what, how can I execute this? And it you even make financial sense.
1: Yeah. Writing down those numbers is so important. I think it's something that people forget (laughs) and they forget like, that it's, yeah, it's all the things it's, um, what you're going to ship it in. It's like the little card that you put inside. It's printing the invoice. Mm -hmm. It's like the tissue paper. Like it's, there's so many little, little tiny things that go into a product and shipping it. And the cost goes up because of that.
2: Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, being as a consumer, being mindful of buying from small shops is I think sometimes and I, I luckily knock on wood, I haven't had any bad experiences with any customers, but some people do expect, you know, a product to be shipped right away or it to be, you know, the even just the cost of like free shipping. it's like, well, free shipping, you know, even nowadays, like shipping's costing with fuel surcharges and everything like that. Like shipping's going um more and more expensive. And so I think it's it's those types of things that, you know, as a small business owner, Um, And I think a lot of us kind of aren't able to offer those types of incentives to different um, customers. But luckily, I haven't had any experiences like that. But I think sometimes, you know, you hear people do struggle with, with people being upset about the fact that it takes a week to ship something out. And it's like, well, I can't go to the post office every day or, you know, I have it like if I, when I have sales of my art prints, I do like one day where I print everything, I have a printer at home. Um, And then, then I have like a post office day, usually Monday, where like, I'll go and I'll drop it off at the post. And so it's, you know, it's those types of things that help me achieve balance, but also you hope that people can understand that it's not, we're not the large corporations here kind of working with mass amounts of product.
1: Yeah, you hope that people understand as a small shop like you can't always control especially shipping. You can't control it. Like it's mm-hmm. I my sister and I have a skincare business and we ship our product and shipping's like $20 and to me that's a lot, but I can't <laughs> I can't help yeah. it. Like that's that's the cost of the shipping. So
2: yeah. Just, and if you offer free shipping, you'd have to increase the price of your product to recoup those costs. And then you know, I, I agree. That's it's a lot.
1: Yeah, it just at some point it is what it is. And if if it doesn't work for you, then you'll have to find a different shop. But mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. But I think too that's that's the point, or not the point, but like the process of niching and finding your ideal customer is like saying like it's it's understanding the value of with that product whether it's skincare or you know fabric design or anything like that it's the the intention and the time that it comes to create something like that i think that's so important is people the client will or consumer will understand that like and that's what they're looking for is they're looking for that specialized service or product right and that they're, they see the value in that and then if people don't then there's many other services or, or companies that can go to, and it's not really, that's not your person, right? So, And that that's taking me a long time to really grasp and understand. But I think that reminding myself of that is important when you hear a no or when you think about, you know, you don't get a sale or whatever.
1: Yeah, those are just not your people. Yeah. I think I, I have to remind myself that too, when I don't like book a client or it's like something doesn't work out, it's like, well, they just weren't my people and I wasn't their people. And that's okay. Like, it's not, you're not for everybody. Yeah. How do you find the transition between mom and business owner? Like wearing those two hats and juggling both, like how do you balance it?
2: I think like my, for the most part, I compartmentalize a lot of parts of my life. Like I have like my business side of things and then like, you know, and I'm able to do that. Um, So I think just balancing it is just... Setting out my timelines of like what I want to do this week, giving myself grace with like, okay, like I'm exhausted, the kids didn't go to bed till nine o'clock. Like, it's you know, we have soccer and piano and all these things going on. So, like, on those types of busy days, I just give myself the time to just be like, you know what, I'm just gonna chill tonight and not really do anything, um, and then pick up the slack another day or whatever. So, I think it's just being able to do that. Um, I really think like, I like my kids seeing me do this. Like my, my oldest son, like he's very like artsy and he's always been like, so when I started painting, he was about three um, and he would kind of sit with me and I bought him his own watercolor set and I'd let him paint on his watercolor paper. And anytime I have a, a painting that I've digitized, he kind of, and it just, at this point, like I don't say scraps, but it's not like I'm not selling that because it's only a piece. So it's kind of just to keep them all in this little box, and and he'll go through them and take them, and I find them hidden in his room somewhere. And I always tell him, I say, you can. It, it, I hopefully it's showing them that like just follow your dreams and and do what makes you happy, and um, and I always kind of say, you know, we're thinking about think when I was growing up in school, you'd always think about okay, look, what are you good at? what are your goals for the future? And I think we're kind of corralled in a certain way to follow certain certain aspects of the world. And I think the internet and just the opportunity for different businesses is the world's your oyster at this point. And I say that to my kids. I'm like, you know, whatever you find that you like to do, you can make that into a business and eventually be your own boss, set your own hours, follow your dreams. So hopefully for them, it'll inspire them as they're older to kind of really just pursue what makes them happy rather than conforming to what they think they should be doing based on, you know, what they see in the world. So.
1: Yeah, that's so important. I love that. And I feel like art sometimes gets left behind in terms of career of like, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like doctor, like astronaut, vet. And it's like, but you could be an artist. Like you could, you could, Mm -hmm be a musician. You could, I feel like just the arts kind of get left behind. So I think that's amazing that your kids can see you being a successful business owner doing art. Like that's amazing. Yeah. And I
2: think that's that's totally spot on is like, you know, even when I was in school and I was thriving in you know, biology and doing things like that, and I was like, okay, what can I be? And I remember sitting with the guidance counselor and basically, you know, you can be a nurse or you can be a doctor or a dentist. Like it's really just kind of the and the field that I'm in is not any of those. And so it just is very interesting. It took me four years after, um, after gra- actually not, well, two years after graduating from university to even find the degree that I'm in now and doing what I'm doing now. And so I think that part of it is like, because these non-traditional careers aren't presented to to people and to students and at this point i think they're they're having to make these big life decisions so early on so it's really as a parent kind of just reiterating that maybe you don't have to make those decisions right away but just knowing what what your strengths are um and kind of help supporting them along the way for that and non traditional careers i think are where it's at in the future too
1: yeah and i i think that there's a lot of like negative connotations associated with being an artist or being in the arts cuz it's like the starving artist, like trope, right? How are you going to make money making art? And you can, like, we're doing it, you're doing it, I'm doing it, like having your own business, working at an agency, like, there's a million things you can do in the arts to make money. It's not, it's not um, like a starving artist thing anymore.
2: I, I totally, I think there's so many opportunities, so many cool things that you could be doing and just be, you know, going to work isn't going to work, quote unquote, right? It's like going in and really enjoying what you're doing and um, feel like you're making a difference or bringing something like yourself into the world and not just stamping in or you know time stamping in and out of your, your job. So definitely a lot of opportunity, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that's a generational thing too. I think then like newer generations, even like millennials, Gen Z, like just compared to the older generations where I think it was more like you get a job when you're like out of university or like high school, mm-hmm. you do that job for however, 40 years you retire and that's it. And now we're kind of yeah. like what I'm seeing in like my generation and younger generations is like, no, we want to do things that make us happy. We want to have a happy life and we want to make money doing it, but we mm-hmm. don't want to be stuck in a job that we're miserable at it's just not worth it
2: and i think a lot of times too in the newer generations and i'm kind of at the cusp of being one or the other personally um, but i think it's you know being able to shift your career into something different and making changes in 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 your career and i think the older generations may were used to kind of the you retire with a pension you've been with that company for a long time and that that's just how it was and there's nothing wrong with that and that worked I think for a lot of people but I think we've learned differently and I think you know changing careers is okay learning something new is okay and it's exciting and you do what makes you happy
1: yeah definitely and doing your own thing is okay too like i think i think my parents have learned a lot from me kind of jump i jumped around a million different jobs and then landed on doing my business full time and i think it's been kind of an eye opener for them of like, Oh, you can, you can actually do that and make money. And like, it's okay. And it's not Mm -hmm. as stable as having like a nine to five job Monday to Friday, but that kind of job just didn't work for me. I just was so unhappy. My mental health like struggled. I just couldn't do it. And that's okay. It does work for some people. Some people do like that nine to five stability, Mm -hmm. but it just, it doesn't, work for everybody so
2: and I think too it's like the 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 being well-rounded but it's like being able to be home having a family being able to set your hours to work for what what's working for you or for whoever um, and then knowing that you're doing something too that you know you're enjoying what you're doing and then your child is seeing you do that and doing something really cool and having diversified streams of revenue and then you can kind of really build and build over time. I think it's really awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think yeah, having flexibility over my hours makes a difference and that's it's a pros and cons, right? Like I don't have the stability, however, the flexibility also offers me a lot of positives. Like I can I can work when I want and I can be there for my daughter and yeah, mm-hmm. Pros and cons and everything. Yeah. So how do you like from a logistical standpoint, how do you juggle both? Like, do you time block? Do you have like certain hours that you work on um, your surface uh pattern design? Like, how do what does it look like for you?
2: Yeah, I do time block a lot. Um, I've learned that from different mentors that I've had is how important that is you know, I do often get in the rabbit hole of Instagram and I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, like all these people are doing all these amazing things. The next thing you know, it's at like 9.30 and I haven't done anything. Um, and so for me, it's shutting off my phone. Um, it's looking at my kind of inspiration list of like, what do I want to do? Like, what are some of the ideas that I've had and kind of picking a project and working on it and laying it out. Like I have a weekly like desk planner that I use and it's just week by week. And I don't try to go too much in advance because things can change quickly, especially with the kids and, you know, someone gets sick and sleeping well or whatever. So I like to just kind of set some short-term goals. Um, I do set like annual goals or like yearly goals of what I want to achieve basically for myself or my business within that year. Um, And then I set kind of smaller goals to work backwards to that. Um, But then usually it's kind of week by week. Um, And the time blocks really do help. And again, it's only a couple hours in the evenings. Um, And so that really does help me feel like I'm being efficient and kind of making steps in the right direction.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you said that you don't always like if it's not working for you that day, you don't work that night. Like you watch Netflix or you just kind of do what works for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because, and and I don't, I used to feel like if I, I'm very much like a type A person. So if I have a goal and I have like something that I've set, so I'm like seven nights a week, I'm doing this and that I was feeling more burnt out. And so for me, it's more, you know, I tried to do about four days a week. Um, where once I get the kids settled to bed, I come downstairs to my like studio, <laughs> my home studio slash office, um, and kind of do the things that have been on my list for that week. And I don't always set exactly the days. And so that, that's what gives me the flexibility to say on ah, tonight, it's not really gonna, gonna work for whatever reason. And then I'm not feeling too stressed about like now I'm behind on the goal. Now it's like, no, I'm still on track, but now I know I have to, I can only have so many of those days, but that's okay.
1: Yeah. So you kind of have a loose schedule, like you have an idea of what you want to do in a week, but it's not like not mapped out exactly. Yeah. That's good. Cause it provides you flexibility as well. Yeah. Awesome. So as we're wrapping up, where can people find you on the internet? So
2: I am on Instagram. I, my, the name of my business is lovely wild design. So that's my Instagram, lovelywild.design. I do have a website. It's lovelywilddesign.com. So that's my new, that was my big goal for early in the year. And I was able to launch my website on time, which was great. Um, And so check that out. Um, That's a a labor of love right there. Um, It's very much who I am and like, so true to my aesthetics. I'm very proud of my, of my website. Um, And then I'm also on Etsy, but you can link to my Etsy through my Instagram and all my different, even my websites And really my Instagram. is kind of my hub to like get to whatever you need. So
1: perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the chat and for being here and talking about teaching and motherhood. It was awesome. Thank you for having me. I just had
2: a lot of fun talking with you and it was great. Thank you. Thanks so much.
0: If you're anything like me, you're a little disorganized when it comes to planning your social media feed. So when I heard about Planoly, I was hooked. Planoly is your all-in-one platform to plan, schedule, and share your social content across Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, and Twitter. As an official Instagram and Pinterest partner, Planoly continues to pave the way for businesses of all sizes to carry out their social marketing strategies seamlessly and effortlessly, simplifying social marketing for all. With Planoly, you can draft, plan, schedule, and publish content, analyze your business profile data, and it comes in a web and mobile app. With their Sell It feature, you can sell anything to anyone with a single click, without the need for a website. Sell It transforms your social content with a single link into a social storefront. It's never been easier to turn your followers into customers. I use Planoly for all of my businesses, and it makes it so easy to set it and forget it for your social media. They have auto-posting, which I love, and even show you the best times of day to post. If you're like, yes, I need this in my life, go to planonly.com slash referral slash Canoe Point Design Co. Or visit the show notes or affiliate links page on our website, brandcamp.com. That's com slash referral slash Canoe Point Design Co. Or visit the show notes or affiliate links page on our website, brandcamp.com. Thank you for listening to the Brand Camp Podcast brought to you by Canoe Point Design Co. I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned some key tips and advice to level up your business. Make sure to subscribe to the channel so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed our chat today, let us know by leaving a review. I'd love to connect with you on social at brand camp podcast on Instagram and Facebook to continue the conversation. Tune in next week for another episode of brand camp podcast.